This training is about cold calling techniques to close bigger wholesale deals. Now, when it comes to cold calling, every time I speak to anybody about cold calling, they always ask me, what are the scripts? John, what are the scripts? What scripts do I use? This person's using that script, that script. You know, I've seen people like promoting like, here's my seven figure script for $7, right? Scripts are okay as a guidance in a way. The scripts mean jack shit if you can't get past the first 30 to 60 seconds of a call. So if you cannot overcome the first no, not interested, not right now, never, if you can't overcome those, the rest of the script you're never going to get to. So it doesn't matter what script you have. I can give you the best script in the world, but if you can't get past those openers, then the rest of the script doesn't matter. And here's what's interesting. The the 80% of the script doesn't really change with the times. You're always going to ask pretty much the same questions. It doesn't matter what list you're marketing to because what ends up happening is you're trying to figure out what is their actual need to sell the house, not want. We don't want people that just want to sell a house. People that want to sell a house can wait, can you know put it on the market, can shop around. They can do all kinds of shit. We don't care about those. What we care about are the people that need to sell their home right now. That need is what we can help them. And that's where those questions come in. Now, those questions for the rest of the script, they're pretty interchangeable no matter whether you're calling foreclosures, probates, absentees. It really doesn't matter. Again, we're trying to figure out what the need is. But what does matter is the opener. The opener, if you don't have a solid opener, that can get you past the first 30, 60 seconds of a call, you're never going to get into deeper questions. You're never going to be able to build that connection, that rapport with the seller that you need to be able to convert better deals. And that's exactly how you get better and bigger deals. If you are shut down by no, not interested, not right now, never, go screw yourself, and those objections are enough for you to shut down and put the phone down and call the next person, then you are now competing with everybody else that's looking for that easy yes. That's why we're able to close much bigger deals than almost everybody else out there because what I do, what I teach all my students to do is when they say no, not interested, that's not a final answer to me. That's more of like, oh, okay, we're starting to talk now. So let's figure this out. I want to know why you're not interested, right? So the only script that really matters is the opener. Now, why does that script really matter? You can't fumble your way through the opener. That's how you sound like an idiot. And I mean that with all the love, <laughs> but you sound like an idiot, right? If, if, the fall, if the call connects and the homeowner says hello and your hello is, uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, hi, hi, uh, this is, um, oh, fuck, what's my name, right? Yeah, that's not how you make a call. You're going to sound so unprepared, so unprofessional. The person on the other side is like, who the hell is this person, right? We don't want that. You want your opener to be very polished, very clean, delivered perfectly every single time where you can just go into a room, a seller says hello, and boom, you deliver it 10 out of 10 times. You deliver it perfectly. That's the only script that really matters. The rest of the stuff, you can even fumble through other questions later on in the call, but not at the beginning because this is your first impression to them. And if the first impression is somebody that doesn't have their stuff together, it's a really bad first impression, 
right? So the only thing you want to nail down is your opener line. I want you to practice this over and over and over. And I'm going to give you a few samples of these, but I want you to practice your opener over and over and over. Practice it with a, with a spouse, family member, whatever. Just keep repeating it. This is That was my strategy. This is exactly what I teach all my students to do. Get the opener down and practice it. Because what's funny is when I get any of my students that send me the recordings from sellers, it's like for me to review the call, I'm listening and the first thing it's like, hi, hi, um, this is, um, hey, so this is John and uh, I was calling, you want to sell your house? Because <laughs> it's just like you've completely just lost, like you, you have no idea what the hell you're even calling them about, right? So now this takes me to the next point. Which is when you're cold calling leads, when you're cold calling prospects, that's all you're doing, all right? You're not cold calling prospects and playing some dumb game on your phone or checking your Facebook status. You are cold calling, you're focused. You are there, you're focused, you're waiting for that person to answer so you can deliver that script that you've been working so hard on how to deliver. Every time, again, I'm listening to these call recordings and it's like, hello, um, hi, hi. uh, this is uh, this is John. Um, I'm like, are you asking me if this is John, or are you telling me that this is John? <laughs> like, why are you so distracted? Well, I was looking at this property, or I was looking at this. No, no, shut all that shit down. Until you build the skill set, I've I've made seriously tens of thousands of calls. I've spoken to thousands of sellers so many times that I can wake up and make a call. I don't need to be in the zone. I don't need to be in, in like completely focused. It just doesn't matter to me. I already know. My, I, it's muscle memory to me. It doesn't matter where I'm at, what I'm doing. I can pick up the phone and make a call right now and get it done. And it takes no effort on my end, right? So that's the goal that you got to do. You got to shut off all distractions. So when they do say hello, it doesn't catch you by surprise. Because I know when you're cold calling, there are times that you can be going on for a while before you speak to somebody. But when you finally do, don't screw it up because you got that one shot at a first impression. You don't want to be screwing that up. So now it's funny, too, because people, they tell me, you know, oh, John, what list are you marketing to? Like, it doesn't matter what list you're marketing to if your opener sucks for all of them. If you don't have a good opener, you could be marketing to the best list in the world and you're still going to screw it up because people are not going to want to talk to you right? So here's, here's a sample of an opener that we used. And this opener is for foreclosures. So it goes like this. Hey, Steven, this is just John. It's come across my desk that your house on Cliffside is set to be auctioned off March 5th. Are you still needing help to stop that foreclosure and save your house? That opener, the reason I came up with that opener is when we were calling foreclosures, we were using the script that we've always used, which is, you know, hey, you're looking to sell your house. And it worked for many years. That's all we needed until it didn't, until everybody started calling foreclosures. Everybody started. I mean, I was doing cold calling before it was cool to do cold calling. I had no competition during that time. And then everybody started doing cold calling. Obviously, everybody started using the same script. So when I started doing this and people were nonstop, I wasn't getting past the first 15, 20 seconds of the call, that's when I realized I was like, all right, something's got to change. Everybody else I spoke to, they, they all said the same thing. They're like, oh, foreclosures suck. You know, nobody wants to sell. I'm like, right, because they're in foreclosure. That's why nobody wants to sell, right? Like if they wanted to sell their house, they would not be in foreclosure. They want to save their home. They want to keep their home. That's why they're telling you no to selling the house. But it didn't hit me 
at the beginning because again when i was calling it was working so now when i'm calling with that script people are getting pissed at me no i don't want to sell my effing house when i want to sell i'll put a sign on the yard and i used to get be a smart ass i'd be like well you know sign in the yard doesn't always work <laughs> um and obviously i would get hang, uh, hung up on because that would piss them off but that's when i started thinking through of like all right they're getting all these calls. They're saying the same shit. That's why they're blowing me off in the first like 10, 15 seconds. They're, sometimes they won't even let me finish the my, my little script, right? Um, so I started thinking, I was like, all right, they're in foreclosure because they don't want to sell their house. They're trying to hold on for dear life. So what if I tell them I can help them keep their house? Now, I know you're probably thinking, damn, John, you're such a sleazebag. How are you going to trick? I don't trick people. What I'm trying to do, what my responsibility is because of the skill sets I have in the real estate space is to help them understand whether or not they can actually afford to keep their home. I have helped a lot of people save their home from foreclosure and not sell because they didn't know that they can reinstate the loan. They didn't know that they can delay it. They didn't know that, that there were ways to modify the loan to keep their home. They didn't know that. And it was my responsibility to be like, well, can you reinstate the loan? Yeah, I can. I didn't know I could do it. Yes, call your bank, find out how much the reinstatement is and pay it. And you're good to go. You'll be right back to where you are making your payments. They didn't know that. You understand? So what is so important with all this is you never, ever assume shit about any of your leads. You never assume they know better. You never assume that, you know, they, they, if they could reinstate, they would have. You don't assume anything. These people do not know. So going back to the script, when I started thinking through it, that's where I came up with the script. I was like, well, if I can stop your foreclosure and help you save your house, would you be interested? That's another little script. Um, and what happened? All of a sudden, it was like, uh oh. Well, um, yeah, you can help me save my house. Like, I could try, right? Let's start talking about it. So now I piqued their interest. Now we're having a conversation. Now I can go on with the rest of my script, which is the same regardless of who I'm talking to, right? So the rest of the script is not an issue. It's the opener. And guess what? This script, some of you will use it, some of you won't. And eventually this script will get burned out right? There's going to be a lot of you guys that are going to pick up on it. A lot of other people are going to pick up on it and you're going to start using it. I don't care because I understand the fundamentals of creating an opener. So I keep going back and, and trying to think through how can I modify this so I sound different than everybody else. And that is the one key to creating a good opener. How can you sound different than everybody else that's giving them a call? So when we look at our deals, when I have VAs that do calls, I have a, a acquisition manager that does calls. When I look at their call histories and I see all their calls are not lasting more than 15, 20 seconds with sellers, I know we have an opener issue. We need to change that opener. It's not the list. It's the opener. Because in order to determine that's the list, those conversations take more than a minute to determine whether or not you're calling an unmotivated list. Because you're talking to somebody. You're figuring out that they're unmotivated. But if it's lasting less than 60 seconds, it's your opener that's the issue. You haven't gotten enough information to fully determine whether or not those people are or not motivated. So we want to nail down that opener. Now, here's another tip. What you say is not as important as how you say it. So let me go through that line again. Let's do this more 
robotic, more like most people do it, right? Hey, Steven, this is just John. It's come across my desk that your house on Cliffside is set to be auctioned off March 5th. Are you still needing help stopping the foreclosure and saving your home? Me? You call me with that shit? I tuned you out. I don't even know what the hell you asked me. What's the next question from me? Who's this? What do you need? What are you doing? Why are you bothering me? That's my next question to you. But instead, if you deliver it with, hey, Steven, this is just John. It's come across my desk that your house on Cliffside is set to be auctioned off March 5th. Are you still needing help stopping that foreclosure and saving your home? That's different. I'm slowing down. The cadence is different. And I'm stopping in front of all the crucial words, right? I'm stopping in front of it's set to be auctioned off. Are you interested in stopping your foreclosure and saving your house, right? These are the words that are, I want them to connect with on an emotional level. You understand? I want that. I want those words to be like when psychologically, when somebody pauses in front of certain words, your brain automatically says, pay attention. That was important because if not, they wouldn't have paused, right? So we want to do those little tricks that helps their brain process what you're saying. And as we go with the script, why do I say, hey, Steven? And I don't say, hello, is this Steven? Hey, Steven there? Because I want them to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want them to lie to me. And what people can't do is if I call you Steven and this is not Steven, you're going to correct me right away. But if this is, this is Steven, you're going to be like, oh, who's calling me that I... I must know them. They must know me. They know they're talking to me, right? So it causes a little bit more of curiosity on their end than anything else. So this is why I don't call them like, hi, Steven there. Or if it's a man's voice, <laughs> let's not get into how you define yourself. But if it's a man's voice, I'm going to assume I'm speaking to Steven. If it's a woman's voice, I'm going to be like, oh, he hello. Is, uh, uh, I was looking to talk to Steven. Is he available? Okay. Why the name? I want to make sure that the number I'm calling belongs to one of the owners of the house. That's why I start with the name. So even if it's a woman and I ask for Steven and she says Steven's not available, then the phone number is correct, right? I'm talking to the right person, right? Or at least the owners of the house. Um, so I'm, I'm off to a great start. Then I say, your house on Cliffside. I want to verify, are you the owner of that house? Here's how it goes as well. If I say, hey, Steven, this is just John and... They're like, no, this is not Steven. Oh, are, do you not live at 123 Cliffside? No. Oh, okay. You got the wrong number. Move on. Why does that matter? It's funny, but <laughs> there's been so many times where, you know, I'm calling, hey, no, this is not Steven. Oh, do you live, at, you know, and they're telling me like, kind of like you got the whole wrong number. It's all wrong, right? Oh, so you don't live at 123 Cliffside? Yeah, I live there. Does Steven not own that house? Yeah, he's my dad. All right, you dick. Like, you know, obviously, you know, Steven, you know, but again, we don't assume anything. We want to verify. Why do I say this is just John? I say just John because I don't want you focusing on my name. You don't know me. You don't need to try to go through your, you know, mental connections of people and seeing which John is this? Who do this doesn't sound like the John I know, right? I don't need you wasting time with that shit. I want you listening to me. This is just John. Forget about it. Don't worry about my name. Right? Let's move on. And I don't give too much of a pause where a lot of people do. It's like, hey, Stephen, this is just John. Because now you're giving them a chance to respond. I don't want them to respond. I don't need your response right now. I want to get through my opener. Right? So I want to verify it's Stephen that lives at 123 Cliffside. 
Now, I don't say one, two, three. I don't say the numbers because now you're adding more words than you need to. Just say the street name, all right? It's not like this person lives in multiple houses. If you say the wrong street name, they don't live there. They're going to tell you. It's not like, you know, they're going to say, wait, what's the number on that street? Oh, no, I don't live at that house. I live in a completely different street. Well, then the number doesn't fucking matter, right? Excuse my French. So it's one of those things that you want to verify that. And then we say that the finishing line is, are you needing help stopping, stopping the foreclosure and saving your house? So what things can I emphasize that's going to make you want to keep it? You know, that's going to make you interested in this. So another uh, a script that we've done is, let's say, with absentees. Pretty much much of the same opener. And it's, uh, hey, I was just calling you about your house on Cliffside. I wanted to see if uh, you'd be interested in seeing if your house qualifies for a cash offer right now. That qualifying question has worked very well for us because they're like, qualifies? I don't know. Yeah, I want to see if my house qualifies. And what that sets it up at, and the same with the foreclosures, it sets you up for when you're asking questions later on, you're like, well... I'm asking you this question because I'm trying to help you stop the foreclosure. I'm asking you this question because I'm trying to qualify your house to see if it qualifies for a cash offer. So that's why I'm asking this question and why you're going to answer, right? So it sets their mind to be ready to answer whatever questions you want because, yes, I want to know if my house qualifies. Yes, I want to know if you can stop my foreclosure and help me save my home. Does this make sense? So if any of this is not making sense, drop it in the comments and, and I'll make sure to address it. What helps me coming up with these scripts is I believe it's my responsibility because of my skill sets to help people figure out the problem they're having with their property. Now, this could be so many different things, but them saying no, not interested, not right now, that's not an answer for me. You understand? Because you could just be getting me off the phone because I mean, I don't know about you. I don't like being on the phone with people, right? So there needs to be something that catches my attention that makes it worth my time to be on the phone with you. So no, not interested. Okay, I completely understand. Are you? Is it right now that you're not interested or just, you know, you have a great property and you're just never interested in letting it go? Again, what can I ask? How can I dig deeper to get make this conversation go further? A technique that we use a lot is five levels deep right? So anything they say, I ask five deeper questions to that. And it's always when you're thinking that way of how can I ask a deeper question versus what's next in the script, your brain can, can come up with some really good questions. And the seller on the other end feels like you're actually listening to them because the question you're asking is based on what they just said. So this is why, why I added this part of the, the, um, the coaching that I do is because I can give you how to pull the best list. I can give you a killer script and you can screw it up every single time and not know why. But when you send me your recordings and I review them, I'm like, right here, you didn't ask that question. Right here, why didn't you go deeper? Why didn't you ask this one? Why didn't you ask that one? So now you are building your arsenal of follow-up questions on how to make, take a call from 30 seconds to 5 minutes, 10 minutes to an appointment to a contract, to an offer. That's the whole goal of these openers, is taking it all the way through. Another thing to keep in mind, if they're still on the phone with me, 
I'm still asking questions. I don't take, you know, I don't never end the call. They got to end the call, not me. Even if they say, no, I'm not interested, but they're still on the phone. I'm going to keep asking questions. Why are they still on the phone with me? They're polite. Cool. <laughs> They'll be polite and answer my questions. Because what I'm trying to fully determine is, are you really not motivated or do you just not want to be on the phone with me? If I can determine that you're really not motivated, then I'm not going to waste any more time with you because we've gone through it. But at the very least, I've built some really good rapport with you. So now when I put you on my follow-up drip sequences, you might reach out to me in a few months being like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about it and I'm interested in an offer now. Because we had a great connection. We had a great conversation. So not every conversation is so transactional. You got to think further ahead. The majority of the deals that we close come from follow-ups. Rarely do we get deals from the first attempt that we make a contact with somebody. Most of the time it comes from follow-ups. So you got to be able to follow up with people. You got to be able to set it up just because they say, no, not interested, not right now. Doesn't mean that that's not going to be a deal that you're going to close on at some point. Keep following up, set up those systems so you can stay on, in touch with them. And like I said, it's my responsibility to get them there. Now, here's an, <laughs> a funny point. Expect the yes. And what do I mean by this? How many times have I heard a call from one of my students that the person says, yeah, I would like to stop the foreclosure. Oh, um, well, uh, okay. Uh, well, that's great. So <laughs> why are you so shocked? The point of you calling and speaking to these people was for them to say yes. I'd rather you be shocked at them saying no. Because when you're shocked at them saying no, the questions can become better, right? So if they say, no, I don't, I'm not interested. Uh, oh, really? Um, may I ask why? I mean, are you going to just let it go into foreclosure? No, no, I'm already stopping it. Oh, how is that? I mean, that, that's great to hear that you're stopping it. How, how did you go about stopping the foreclosure? Well, I haven't yet. Oh, I gotcha. And how are you going to stop it? What was the plan? I'll do a loan modification. Ooh, well, loan modifications take quite a long time. Have you been in the loan modification process? So this is not a foreclosure training, but where I'm going at is you can ask much more questions and get much deeper into what's going on. Now, at this point, we're over a minute. We're over two minutes. We're over five minutes. We are really talking back and forth. I'm figuring out, can you really stop it? Do you have the means to stop it where you're just trying to blow me off? Like what was happening in this conversation? And now based on that, I can determine whether or not I have something here or not. So I hope this is uh, making sense to you guys. And um, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I would pretty much close the training with is three books that have helped me with all of this have been The New Model for Selling by Jeremy Miner. His whole thing is about how you say things matter so much. And it's been, it's a small book, but very powerful. I recommend everybody read it. It's, it's great on how to speak to people. The next one is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Excellent book on how to speak to people. And then Influence, the updated version by Robert Cialdini. That book is like that thick. The first book was very thin. The, the revised version was a thick book. But he goes into very, very good details on social proof, on so many things that you can use when you're negotiating and talking to your sellers. So all of these strategies, all of these things... They're all things that are going to help you to not just have great conversations with sellers, but also connect with them in ways that it's going to help you get a better, deeper contract. Because everybody thinks like, okay, you want to sell, here's my offer. My offer doesn't mean anything. What I want to do for you is I want to see what 
price do you need? What offer do you need? What help do you need? Because I've come across deals that we've made a ton of money on because the seller has only said, hey, I just want to be done with this. So it's like, okay. They're like, I don't care if I get anything. I just want to be done. Well, excellent. I can help you, right? Because now I, I have a potential for a really good deal. And we need those really good deals because not all deals are home runs, right? So every now and then when you get to hit a home run, it feels really freaking good. So I hope this training has helped you guys. I want to see your questions. Let me know where, where you're stuck, what's helping, what's not helping. If you need more hands-on training, I am launching the Mastermind where I'm going to be doing these types of trainings. I'm going to be doing call reviews from your, all the seller calls that you have, uh, coaching you through deals, negotiations, lists, systems, process, how to build out a system that doesn't burn you out. Um, we cover everything. We're going to have special guests. We're going to have Q&A sessions. I mean, it's going to be crazy the amount of stuff that you're going to be able to do. Plus, you also get access to my course that is only available to students because there's no one size fits all course. Um, the only thing that makes sense is like I, I use that course as a guiding principle and then I coach you through each pillar of that course. So for those of you that are interested, I want you to go ahead and just message me. Let me know that you're interested and we'll get you signed on. Uh, but thank you all for watching. And now let's get into the questions. So best cost effective way to get started cold calling following up. Uh, I mean, are you making a statement or are you asking a question? The dialer CRM. So we don't use dialers anymore. We used to use uh, call tools and stuff. With dialers, we've what we've seen is there's an issue with uh, the 10 DLC regulations and everything, and they become a massive pain in the butt to use dialers. And look at it this way too. Dialers are a very lazy way of doing it, which is everybody's going to go to a dialer first. So what we decided to do is do a way that's going to take a little bit more effort. So we do more niche lists. And when we do these niche lists, we are able to, instead of targeting thousands of properties, we target hundreds of properties. But these are properties that are in multiple levels of possible motivation. So we're willing to hit those much harder. We're able to hit them much harder. And we use the CRM called RE Simply. And in that CRM, we upload our list that we want to market and we call them individually. And what I like about the CRM is that it allows you to swap numbers. So our strategy is out of every 50 calls, we swap the number. 50 calls, we swap the number. So we don't burn out any one number. And the CRM also does a really cool uh, feature where they clean your numbers. So if they're being marked as spam, um, they you know they they clean them and they keep them going. So you're you're pretty much you know always working with clean numbers. So the connection rate is much higher. Also, we do not just cold calling, but we also do when we connect with a seller that we made a connection, we spoke to them, whatever it is, and we determine whether or not they're motivated, they're interested, maybe not, not right now, whatever, we can drop them in an automated drip sequence. So we don't have to keep hounding those people. We have a drip sequence that sends out a message every 25 to 40 days, depending on the, on the sequence, and it just keeps reminding them that we're here. And we've had it where we've closed deals two years later after talking to somebody. But I don't care because I, for two years, I haven't done anything. I haven't followed up with anybody. I haven't had to make any calls. It's been an automated drip sequence that, uh, that just kicks off and it's just constantly hitting them up. Um, yeah, appreciate you, Dre. Yeah, the link works. Uh, but yeah, you got to be on a Chrome browser. You got to be on the computer. 
so if you ever want to hop on a call, that's going to be perfect. Um, I just got to figure out how to like maybe mute you guys or something. Well, not mute you, but let me know how that call came through with Dre, if it came through on the live, um, if that works well. But yeah, what, what other questions you guys have? What else are you needing help with? Where else are you stuck? Did this help? this training help you did it make sense uh what are you guys working on let me know and also my my youtube channel an investor's journey i have a lot of training on cold calling speaking to sellers negotiating so just go in there there's a lot of seller training there's a lot of things that uh you can use in there to to really build your your knowledge base and everything how to pick a niche high producing list that's an excellent question blake there's no there's no magic list, but what you want to look at is if I speak to somebody, what is going to be their need to want to sell their home? There needs to be a need, right? So right now with high interest rates, high home prices, high taxes, all this stuff, at least in Texas, um, a homeowner that may want to sell their house won't necessarily sell it unless they need to sell it because they have nowhere else to go so uh, we used to market to uh pretty much senior citizens that had big houses because we figured they're going to want to downsize something of the sort but if they are they have a house that's completely paid off and all they got to do is pay the taxes which has been you know frozen pretty much because of their exemptions that house is still 10 times more affordable than anywhere else they're going to want to move to so their motivation is almost not there so this is why like the list that I personally like doing is pre-foreclosures because those people, if they can't save the foreclosure, they're losing their house, period. It's not a question. It's not an opinion. If they can't save it, they're going to lose it. So those are people that we want to uh, go ahead and market to. Then the next one is stacked lists. What's a stack list is you take base data, right? A bunch of base data. So our base data is absentees. Any absentee house. Why? Because they don't live in the house. So they're not going to have a like, where do I go if I sell this? This is an extra house that they have. And then we stack that with other possible motivating features like code violation, tax delinquent, probates, you know, anything else, divorces, uh, anything else that we can stack it with to add another level of reason to why they're going to want to sell that house. So when you add multiple levels, now that list of, let's say, 10,000 absentees in San Antonio all of a sudden goes down to a couple hundred because not many of them hit that criteria. Now, a couple hundred is a much more manageable list to go after. And not just go after once, but go after repeatedly until you connect with these sellers and these homeowners. How do you get over the fear of picking up the phone? By doing it. <laughs> the phone's not going to bite you, Jen. Um, so th that it's a very, I completely understand the fear. I have a student right now that um, he just, you know, he gets stuck. He gets stuck on picking up the phone and everything. One of the lessons I learned is it's discipline over motivation, right? So you may not be motivated to pick up the phone, but you need to develop the discipline to do so. So you have to do it whether you want to or not. The fear is illogical, but that doesn't matter because the fear is still there. So what you have to do is prove to yourself and your body that it's not going to actually hurt you. 
So I have a whole training that I did on cold calling techniques. And the number one thing that I teach people on cold calling is when you're afraid of the phone, all I want you to do is make calls. Don't worry about speaking to anybody. If somebody says hello, hang up and make another call to somebody else. Don't worry about it. Just keep making calls because what you got to do is build up that muscle of not being afraid to be on the phone. The faster you build up that muscle, the faster you're going to be better on the phone, able to use these techniques, and be good at developing your openers. Because being on the phone is no longer a fear. Now, I've, I've dealt with this with a lot of students. It, at first, it's very nerve-wracking. My first time doing any type of marketing, I would look at my, my phone would ring, and I would just look at it and hold my breath. Because for some reason, I thought they were going to hear my breath even though the phone was ringing. And as soon as it stopped ringing, I would be like, whew, thank God. All right, I'll probably call them back later. Guess how many deals I closed during that time period? <laughs> Zero, right? But I did it enough times where all of a sudden the phone ringing didn't scare me as much. And then I started getting curious. And then I started answering some of the calls. And I would screw it up. Then I'll go back to not answering. But I kept going day after day after day. What I recommend is you set a schedule to make cold calls. Every day at this time, I'm going to make calls regardless of how I feel. Show yourself in your body that it's not about how you, what you want to do, but it's about what you have to do. The skill that matters the most to you is making calls because this is a skill. When you can develop, if you're in real estate and you can't develop the skill of being good on the phone, trust me, you're going to struggle in this industry. Because anything else you do in this business, it's going to end up on the phone one way or another. You do direct mail, you got to answer the phone. But if you suck on the phone, you're going to get calls and you're not going to close them. And direct mail is a very expensive way to learn how to do this. That's why I tell people to do cold calling because all it is, like right now, all it costs you to cold call uh, is skip tracing numbers and a CRM to make the calls out of. That's it. You're talking about less than 200 bucks a month and, and you're making calls and you are closing deals. That's what we still do. All we do is cold calling. Our expense for marketing is very, very low, but our profit margin is tremendously high because of that. So you got to get past that fear. Um, I get it. I understand it. I sympathize with it. I've had it. It's just you still got to get past it. Where do you get the pre-foreclosure list? Um, it depends. You got to look at your market where you are. Um, right now, I have some students in St. Louis where getting the pre-foreclosure list there is, seems to be pretty damn hard. So we might move on from that. But in Texas, you can get it from your county clerk sites. Uh, you can just go on your county clerk website and pull the foreclosure list from there. If you've never done cold calling and, and marketing and stuff like that, I strongly recommend against that because that is one of the toughest lists to go after. And if you suck on the phone, you're, you're, all you're going to be doing is wasting time because the foreclosure list is a very niche list to go after. So you're not going to be speaking to that many people to work on your skills. My recommendation, if you're working on your cold calling skills, pull an absentee list. An absentee list is going to be a list that you're going to be speaking to a lot more people more regularly so you can work off the nerves, work off the fear, work off the stress, perfect your script, perfect the way that you speak. And once you're good at that, then let's do these more targeted niche lists because with pre-foreclosures, you could be calling all day and speak to two people. At that pace, you're not building any considerable amount of skill. 
So you need to hit a list that's going to be something that you hit repeatedly and you're able to speak to people repeatedly to build that skill set. I've always had that fear that the seller will sue me. Well, I tell you that that's really going to happen. Um, if ever, it's never happened to me. Just because whenever I feel like I am pissing somebody off, I apologize. I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to ruin your day. That was not my intention. I was just seeing if you needed any help. But uh, I will, you know, I, I won't call you again. I uh, wish you good luck and sorry to have disturbed you. The only people I hear that have gotten sued are complete douchebags. And it's like, good, they should get sued. I haven't heard of great people getting sued. Like these guys are, are hammering the phones, 10,000 people a day and just disturbing them. Even when they say no, they keep calling, keep harassing, keep hounding them. They're rude on the phone. That's the only way you're going to get sued, man. Like if you're not doing that and the, the techniques I teach and everything that I teach is not to get you sued. You understand? Like we do it because it works. Um, my students do it because it works, but I keep you legal and, and, and compliant, right? Like you're not doing anything that's going to get you sued. So just if you're worried about it, maybe you're going about it the wrong way. So, you know, there's there's different ways of going about it. Most of them don't pick calls. They don't even call back. Well, they shouldn't call you back, Dura. I mean, you know, if you don't have a good message or anything, then why are they ever going to call you back? If they don't pick up the calls... It could be maybe the list you're pulling is bad. I don't know what you're using to pull a list. Um, the skip tracing service that you're using might be bad. They're giving you bad numbers. The calling service that you're using might be bad and the numbers are spam. There's, there's things in the process that we need to dissect to see what's working and what's not working properly to, to see why the calls aren't going through. Uh, could you go after trustee sales as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. So we don't go just after like pre-foreclosures, but as soon as the trustee has been like posted, the self-trustee and all that, that, that's when we start hitting them. So those properties, sometimes it's two, three months before the actual auction date. So not a lot of people pull those. So we're one of the few people that actually goes after them at, during that time. Do you run your list against the national do not call list? No, I don't because... What I've learned is the cell phone providers have put everybody on a do not call list pretty much, um, whether they know it or not. Like when I used to make calls, we used to filter out the do not call list because back in the day, two years ago, <laughs> you you had to put yourself on that list. So you had to go through the process and add yourself to the DNC list. So if you went through that process, you definitely don't want to be contacted. So I'm not even trying to bother you. But then cell phone providers are, you know, here to protect you. Um, and they've just dumped everybody. We went from about less than 10% of people on DNC to 70% of people on DNC. I was like, bullshit. Most of those people don't even know that they're on the DNC list. If, but when I do call, if they're like, hey, stop freaking calling me, blah, 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 take me off your list. Got it. Done. You're off. I'm not even trying to work with you or anything because, like, if you're that hostile, if you're that pissed off, uh, I'm not trying to push through. You understand? Those are deals that everybody on my team, like, they know. You deal with somebody like that, got it, so sorry, be very apologetic, and that's it. And you get rid of them, don't call them again, all right? Don't, don't put yourself in those situations. Do you leave voicemails? Does your message reflect what your opener line? I, so I don't necessarily leave voicemails because... That means that you're going to be on the phone for freaking ever until the voicemails kick in. But one thing I do 
is um, we do ringless voicemails. So ringless voicemails, will it will reflect the message that we leave anyway, and we do that um, for foreclosures. Uh, for pre-foreclosures, we do the ringless voicemails. What a ringless voicemail is, is a feature that systems have that they can drop a voicemail without you actually having to wait for the voicemail and leave the voicemail. So it's very helpful, very useful during that time. Um, so you want to make sure that, you know, when you're making those calls, when you're doing that, uh, we use that as part of the system as well. So our system in Resimply allows you for when you make a call, you called everybody, some people answered, some didn't, you can select which ones you want to drop a RVM to and you keep moving. So I hope that helps, Scott. Um, all right. Well, it seems like, uh, no more questions are coming in again. I will be monitoring any questions you guys put, post it on the group. Let me know what, what's your experience. What do you, you know, what's working, what's not working. And wherever I can help you guys, I will. That's what this group is for. So reach out, ask for help, ask for anything that you need. I'm here to help you guys out. So I appreciate you all for joining me today and watching. And I'll catch you all next week on the next live.